Would you take your Bibles? Turn with me to the book of 1 John. We are journeying through the book of 1 John, coming to chapter 3 and the remainder of that chapter. And we have been discovering not only the love of God, but we've been talking about, as we will be looking today, not only the love of God, but the love for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Verse 20 and 21 is the verse of scriptures that I want us to read this morning, but we're going to look at verses, verse 12 through the remainder of the chapter. So I encourage you to leave your Bibles open and follow along with me as we'll be going verse by verse looking at these passages of scriptures. I don't know if you've ever had an EKG before. Uh, Probably many of us have. Uh, I've just got a word of warning. If you have hair on your chest, <laughs> and they're getting ready to pull those electrodes off, if you haven't had a heart attack, you're going to have one. <laughs> and also, you look down there at that little meter, of that uh, machine, and they're placing those electrodes on, and that meter is not moving, one or two things has happened. One, they don't have it hooked on right, or you're dead. (laughs) John talks with us today about a different type of heart. He's talking about a spiritual heart. We all, of course, have the physical heart that pumps the blood and pumps that energy to all of our vital organs that we desperately need to survive and to live. And how important that is. But the Bible talks about there is another type of heart. It talks about a spiritual heart. In fact, John gives us four different types of hearts. And... Really, what I'd like for us to do is to take the Bible as to be our EKG today and to allow the letters of those by of the Bible, the Word of God, to be placed upon our spiritual heart and to show us and reveal to us what kind of heart we really have. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked and it's hard for us to know what it is and what's in it. Reminded the scriptures teach us where the psalmist says, Search my heart, O Lord, that I might be able to confess and repent from my wicked ways. So, John begins to reveal to us certain types of hearts. So with your Bibles open, I invite you to stand as we begin looking at verse 20 and 21. And notice what John says to us. He says, for for if our heart condemns us, think about that. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. 
Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Hmm. Father, your blessed word is marvelous and matchless. And we're thankful that as the word reveals to us not only your ways, but it reveals our sinful ways. And it convicts us. And it reveals to us of who we are and what we are. And the ways that we go about our business. We pray that today, dear Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God might use the Word of God and reveal to us our heart. And Lord, that as once we have been reckoned, that we recognize the condition of our heart, that we'll come to the great physician, the one that who's able to transplant a brand new heart into our lives. So, Father, may you speak in a mighty and powerful way to your people here today and speak through me. May the Spirit of the living God anoint us, fill us with his Spirit. And, Lord, we'll praise you and thank you and we'll go from this place and say, it sure has been good being in the house of the Lord. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Immediately, when you speak of the heart, you begin to think about something's very serious. When somebody has a condition with their heart, physically, we know that that is something that you do not take lightly. And it's something that's take, that you are to take notice of. And therefore, the heart is seeming to be the center, the core of our livelihood and of our life itself. As it is physical, it is also spiritual. And so what John does, he lays down before us here in chapter 3, four different types of hearts. And I'm sure that if we would take a close analysis of those four hearts, that we would see those hearts represented throughout this building. But what's important is, is not that I recognize the condition of your heart, but that you recognize the condition of your heart. And that I recognize the condition of my own heart. And that I'm able to come to the great physician, the one that who's able to come and to transplant a brand new heart and to help that heart to function to its fullest and to its way that would be pleasing unto Almighty God. First of all, follow along with me. Go with me to verse 11 and verse 12. I want you to notice the very first heart that he brings to our attention today is the hurtful heart. The hurtful heart. Listen to what he says in verse 11. 
For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Well, now we understand that. We understand that that is one of the great commandments that God has given to us, that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're to love our brother. But listen to what he says in verse 12. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. His brothers was righteous. Cain represents a cold-blooded murderer. He was the very first murderer that was on the face of this earth. Now, as you begin to look and analyze this heart, you begin to recognize, first of all, that type of heart is a satanic type of heart. A satanic heart. Physically, we can go all the way back to Adam. But spiritually, you can go all the way back to Adam, through Adam, to the devil, as one might would look at it. But spiritually, as a child of God, you go all the way back to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that you have a new beginning, a new heart, that as Christ came into your life, that he gave you a brand new heart. But not so with a child of the devil. He has what is known as a satanic heart. Verse 10 reminds us that there is a major difference between the children of God and the children of the devil. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. In other words, they are made known. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So we're reminded that any time you find innocent blood spilt upon the grounds of this earth, we can recognize that it's satanic. That Satan is behind all murder. John chapter 8 verse 44 reminds us of a passage of scripture. Listen to this. It says, you are of your father the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks, he speaks lies. He speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. So my friend, as you look upon the newscast today and you hear the numbers of murderers that is taking place right here in our own city. My friend, you can be assured that Satan is behind it. And that he is the father of it. It is satanic. But not only is it satanic, but look with me in verse 12. 
it is a sinister heart. Because John gets very personal here. He begins to talk about an individual in the Old Testament. The very first two boys that were of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And he talks about Cain carrying out this vicious crime, murder. For he says in verse 12, Not as Cain was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. Why in the world would one brother murder another brother? Oh, does it not, does it not sadden you? In recent weeks, we have heard about Sons killing mothers and dads, brothers and sisters. It's bad enough for murder to take place, killing another person, but their own family members. It's almost beyond our comprehension of understanding how this could ever take place. And yet the Bible tells us in the very first family, There was a brother that murdered his own brother. Why in the world did he do that? Well, the Bible reminds us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. God had told Adam and Eve of how and the way to worship him. And he told him told them that you worship me through a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. And we understand that with Cain and Abel, Cain brought a blood sacrifice to the Lord as an offering. But Cain, of course, he brought fruit of the ground, fruit of his own labor. And God rejected that sacrifice and rejected that type of offering. So, Cain became guilty of two sins. Of course, murder, but he became guilty of pride and unbelief. He was very upset that God accepted his brother's offering and rejected his offering. But I see that Cain is a lot like many people today of pride. God says there's one way that you come and that you worship me. One way and one way only. And yet we have people today saying, well, God, I know better than that. I can come before you through baptism. I can come to you through church membership. I can come to you through living a good life, being a good dad, a good mom, a good person, a good neighbor. God, I really know better than you do. And all that is is nothing but pride. Nothing but pride. But God says there's only one way. He says that you come by the way of the cross. You come through and by a blood sacrifice, which of course was the Lord Jesus Christ. 
God accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain's offering. You say, well, pastor said, uh, I realize that murder is a terrible, terrible thing. And I dare say there's anybody here under the sound of your voice that uh, has murdered anybody. Well, maybe not physically. But you do understand that you can murder somebody in other ways. You can assassinate one's character by gossip. You can destroy a person's reputation. You can destroy a person's testimony. And, and, and it's as, as if you have murdered that individual. So, my friend, what we need to evaluate is not put ourselves up on a pedestal of saying, well, I've never murdered anybody. But have you talked about somebody that you should not have? You say, well, it was the truth. It doesn't matter whether it's the truth or not. I'm not so sure that God has appointed you to give testimony of spreading slander and shame against somebody else. So, my friend, if you're not careful, you can sit here under the sound of my voice, all dignified, and not even realize you have a murderous heart. A hurtful heart. A guy comes in one day, he tells his wife and his children that he doesn't love them anymore and he walks out and abandons them. He has just murdered them emotionally. Destroyed them. He become a murderer. All not with a gun, not with a knife, but with his actions. So he talks about A hurtful heart. Assassinating someone, not only physically, but emotionally, spiritually, as well as maybe physically. But secondly, he gives us another heart here. He not only talks to us today about a hurtful heart, A murderous heart. But look with me in verse 13 and following. He talks about a hateful heart. He says in verse 13, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He does not love his brother, abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, of course, it should not surprise you that the world is not going to applaud you if you were a Christian today. It's amazing to me of how people look upon individuals today a lot different than the way that they used to look. There was a time where preachers and pastors were highly respected 
in the community. But not so much today. There was a time where when you would declare yourself as a child of God, as a Christian, a man and a woman, a boy or a girl, that who knows the Lord Jesus Christ and is living their life in accordance to His will, that they were respected. But not so anymore. If you want to win a popularity contest with the world today, it is to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to reject the Lord Jesus. It is to make fun of the Word of God. It is to make fun of God Himself. John chapter 15 verse 18 says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus is comforting us today. And he says, I want you to know before the world ever hated you, he it hated me. And because that I live in you and you live in me, I, the world is going to hate you. But what John says, it does not surprise me that the world hates me. Although the world hates you, What surprises me is that a Christian could hate his brother. He said, now that's really what's shocking to me. Is how in the world can a person who claims to be a child of God hate his brother? You say, you really believe that a Christian would hate another brother? I tell you what, I've seen churches before. And the way that people talk to one another, the world would not even accept what that type of language, much less within the church. I'll be honest with you. I've had so-called Christians talk to me far worse than a lost man has ever talked to me before. The Bible says it's a hurtful heart. Paul, the apostle, reminded us of that very thing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 24, that when he was pastoring the Corinth church, they hated him. They questioned his integrity. They question his authority. They question his ability. They question his teachings. And yet at the end, the Apostle Paul says, My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. See, friend, I want you to understand, they're spiritually dead. They claim that they are Christians, but the Bible says they're spiritually dead. I think it's interesting. You go back to verse 14. Look with me just for a moment. See, it's easy for us to stand here and say, Oh, I love my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we do that as a collective group. But John, he gets more direct than that. 
Notice what he does here. He says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren, plural. Now notice what he says. He who does not love his brother, singular, abides in death. It's easy for me to give a blanket statement. I love the brethren and overlook that one brethren that has maybe offended me or has said something about me and it has put it has put a real crawl within me. It has put something within me of, of bitterness and anger and hatred. Amazes me of how Christians could come to the house of the Lord to worship Almighty God and yet won't even talk to one another. That beyond, goes beyond my understanding. Some people will walk all the way around the room just keep from being confronted with that individual or even to have them say hello. I've been in business meetings before and I've seen and I've heard business meetings before in churches that is an absolute abomination against God. Brethren who have a hateful heart. And the Bible says they're spiritually dead and they're spiritually doomed. Look what he says there in verse 15. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, I'll just be honest with you for a few minutes. Hatred is not quite as bad as murder. If you, if I had the choice for you to either hate me or to murder me, I'd take hatred any time. <laughs> Sticks and stones may break my bones, but a gun will blow your head off. <laughs> Here, as you as you begin to notice that when there is hatred, God writes down beside of it, murder. Isn't that amazing what God looks at and how different it is in the way that we look at things? We look at things as lust and God writes down adultery. We look at it as covetousness, God writes down as stealing. We look at it as dishonesty, God writes down lying. He's more direct. He's more to the point. And he is saying to us as believers, he's saying that if you have a hateful heart, you need to inspect that heart. Because an unforgiving spirit is evidence of an unforgiven spirit. Every one of us have had individuals that have offended us from time to time, either by word, by action, or by deed. But how do you deal with that? 
Do you put it under the blood? Or do you harbor it? Do you allow it to fester? Do you allow it to blossom into bitterness? Some of the most bitter people that I know are so-called Christians. Something has happened, something has taken place down through the years, and they have never forgiven that individual. Well, my friend, that instance has done more harm to you than that you're doing to that individual by you holding bitterness against them. And so, therefore, Matthew chapter 6, verse 15 says, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I heard about two deacons. And they had had problems with one another, and they had offended each other. And one was on his deathbed. And uh, a bunch of the deacons had come together and said, Brother says... Uh, the doctor tells us that you're about to die. Now, you don't want to die having offense against your brother. Why don't you make things up with your brother? The deacon said to them, he says, you're telling me I'm about to die? Yeah, you're about to die. You mean to tell me that there's no way or hope that I'm about to get out of this bed alive? No. Well, all right. You tell him I forgive him. But if I do get out of this bed, the deal is off. <laughs> now, that's exactly the way a lot of people are today. But he goes to the third heart. Look with me in verse uh, 16. He's talked about a hateful heart there in verses 13, 14, and 15. In verse 11 and 12, he talked about a hurtful heart. But now in verses 16, 17, and 18, he talks about a hoarding heart. Look what he says in verse 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Good question. Good question. For the Bible talks about, says in verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth that shall assure our hearts before Him. Now you would think a child of God would probably would be one of the most unselfish individuals that they are on the face of the earth. You think about all that has been given to a child of God. It's been given a Eternal life. A life that cannot be bought. Life that cannot be earned. Life that is given by the grace of Almighty God. 
gives you eternal life. A child of God has been given God's only son, the Lord Jesus Christ. To imagine that you have God himself dwelling and living within your own presence at this very moment. Through the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're so blessed. You have the word of God. Direct love letter from God himself to you. You have the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters in the Lord that loves you. And will encourage you and to help you in the time of need and time of trouble. You're so blessed. How in this world can a child of God be selfish? And yet, if we would take survey, I wonder how many people today that did not give their tithes, ignorant heart that has become a selfish individual, But it's also an indifferent heart. Look what the Bible says in verse 17. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? How does it? John says... Why has God blessed you the way that He has? Why do you have the home, the job, the resources that you have today? You think it's there by accident? God's blessed you so that you in return can bless others. That's why He gives us our resources. Not that we just hoard it to ourselves but that we share it. So we've talked about the hateful heart, the hoarding heart, the hurtful heart, but now, in conclusion, I want us to talk about the holy heart. Look what the Bible says in verse 19. The Bible says in verse 19, By this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And know all things, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward Him. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments. And do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment. That we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And love one another as He gave us commandment. As He gave us commandment. Now this is the kind of heart that the Lord is saying that a child of God is to have. 
He is saying that if you've been born again, walking in the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the kind of heart that you will possess. And some of the characteristics of that heart is that, first of all, it's a contented heart. You go back to verse 19 and 20, and he talks about that this holy heart will be a sensitive heart. It will be so sensitive that when sin comes near, there will be alarm that will go off. It will be so sensitive that when you come to a place of where there is a fence with a brother, alarm will go off. And will remind you of who you are and what you are and what you're to possess and what you are to display. It will be a sensitive, contented heart. It should go off every single time when you've been confronted with a brother that has had brought offense in your presence. Somebody says, oh, well, then I should allow my conscience be my guide. Your conscience can deceive you. And Satan can deceive your conscience. You know what needs to be your guide? The Word of God. The Word of God will guide you and direct you and lead you in the paths of His righteousness. Martin Luther said something that I thought was very important. He talked about his conscience was guided by the Word of God. The Word of God. But secondly, and I want you to notice the it's a contented heart, but it's a confident heart. The Bible says in verse 21. Is all of a sudden, John begins to talk to us about one of the responsibilities and privileges we have as a child of God. Where he says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Now notice what he says. He's talking about our prayer life all of a sudden. And whatever, whatever we ask, we receive from him. The Bible tells us if I abide in him and he abides in me, that whatsoever I shall ask, it shall be done. So he's talking about the confidence that I have in the Lord as I come before his presence in in prayer. Nothing can hinder one's prayer life any quicker than being angry at a brother or having something within your heart against another brother. Nothing can stop the prayer life any quicker. But nothing can be any greater than what God has given to you, the confidence that you have of coming before Him. Because why? You're right with your brother and you're right with Him. And as you're right with him and you're right with your brother, you feel that you can come. And as Paul says, come boldly before the throne of God. 
and make your intercessions known unto the Lord. Oh, what confidence. But that just doesn't happen. It has to be of one's proper relationship with a brother and a sister. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, His husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life. Listen to this. That your prayers may not be hindered. That your prayers may not be hindered. Oh, my friend. One of the greatest resources a child of God has is his prayers. You don't want to do anything to hinder your prayer life and to hinder God's ears from hearing your request but made known unto him. But look with me in verse 24. Not only is it a contented heart and a confirmed heart, but it is a, or a confident heart, it is a confirmed heart. Listen to what he says in verse 24. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Ah. Oh. Confirmation as a child of God that I have a pure heart, a holy heart. But not only that I have in relationship with Him, but I have in relationship with you. And you have in relationship with me. The Bible tells us In Romans chapter 5, verse 5. That the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given it to us. You say, I just can't love that brother. Well, my friend, God loves him through you. Sometimes it takes a supernatural work. But you've got to be the vessel to allow that love to be able to penetrate and to intercede in, through, and to that individual. That the Holy Spirit has given to you that you might love Him. Now, the Bible reminds us that we have three enemies. The world, the flesh, the devil. I've written down of how those enemies are controlling those hearts. First of all, a murderous man belongs to the devil. A malicious man belongs to the world. A miserly man belongs to the flesh. But a mature man, he belongs to the spirit. 
classify yourself. Where are you today? Oh, don't tell me how much you love God. Tell me how much you love your brother, the one that you despised for years. One that you wouldn't speak to. Possibly I'm talking to some people here today. And you have all against a brother. The Bible says that when you come and you bring your offerings, leave your offering and go and make things right with your brother. I was talking to our Sunday night crowd the other day. and Somebody says, well, that means I can just take my offering with me. I said, oh, no. You said, the Bible says leave your offering. <laughs> because, friend, that's tainted offering. Taint yours. Is <laughs> the Lord's. And my friend, how has your spiritual EKG demonstrated here today? What kind of heart do you have? I can't see it, and you can't see mine. But God does. And He sees it. But there are characteristics that demonstrates what kind of heart we have. And I am so thankful and so grateful that I have a God that who, if there is a problem with my heart, that He's able to fix it. And He's able to correct it. And that I'm not satisfied with the heart that I have. I have not arrived. And that I find myself constantly battling against the world, the flesh, and the devil. But I have a God that lives within me and dwells with me that not only reminds me of that battle, but He reminds me that He will give me the victory over that battle if I will allow Him to do that. Will you do that today? Bow with me in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I am so grateful for the Apostle John. For the way that he just simply opens up the Word of God and and allows it to analyze and dissect and diagnose our heart. Help us, dear Lord. Now be honest with you of what you have showed us. Forgive us, dear Lord, if we have malice, envy, hatred, pride, bitterness. Oh, God, forgive us and cleanse us that we might have a pure heart. Thank you, Lord, for going to the cross through your Son, Jesus Christ. And making it possible for us to have a pure heart in your sight. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we stand and as we prepare to sing? You might need to come and just gather around the altar and just say, Lord.
Your word and your spirit has shown me some things that I'm not pleased with. I'm going to ask you that you will cleanse me and ask that my heart may be pure as I leave this place. Don't, don't allow pride to keep you from inspecting your heart. Because my friend, my heart is not near as pure as I think it is sometimes. And yours is not neither. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with the Lord. You may be here and you need a new heart. You never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, that's a brand new start. He takes the old heart and he throws it away and he puts a brand new heart. You become a brand new creature. All things become new. And all things of old will go passing by. You may need to do that. Maybe God's led you to be a, join this church. We want to welcome you. By letter, by statement, by baptism. However God leads you, we want to be here to assist you. So as we sing, would you come?